How's it going, Nashville? This is the Nashville Fitness Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Chris Beavers, where we will unpack all things health and wellness. We will clear up common myths, highlight amazing fitness opportunities, and bring you guys the best information about health here in the great city of Nashville. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Today we are hanging out with Rob Vassels, who is the co-owner of CrossFit West Nashville. Rob, thanks for your time, man, and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. It's good to be here. Yeah, man, dude. So give me uh, give me a background about you and kind of how you got interested in fitness and uh, all those good things. Oh man, where shall we begin? Um, my my journey. Well, we're all on a fitness journey, aren't we? It's true. We're all on a fitness journey. So. <laughs> My journey began uh, a long, long time ago. A galaxy <laughs> far, far away, back in Chicago, Illinois. No, it's right. Um, so, uh, uh, long story, long story short. Basically, I, I was very, very uh, heavy. Uh, I've been an athlete most of my life, and then eventually stopped doing as much athletics. Got super heavy. Got up to about 215 pounds. Wow, you know? I can't imagine you at that size. Yeah, so I was, I was fairly heavy. I mean, just again, very fluffy. Sure. Know? Just again, low muscle mass, just a lot of, lot of, lot of chunky monkey. Is that politically per se? I don't know. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I can say it because I've talked about me. Yeah, you, self, self yeah you can. That's cool. Um, so I, uh, I was heavy and then I was like, you know what? I don't like being heavy anymore. So I decided to change it, you know. That's and great. In my family, there was not a lot of nutrition or diet you know advice or anything like that so we didn't really you know like mm-hmm. to, like our family like eating dinner was which fast food place are we going to stop at tonight you know what i mean that's kind of what wow diet yeah. was like growing up and i sure. didn't have any restrictions or any kind of like re- coaching on anything we should do that was considered healthy or whatever <laughs> so it was like all right so anyway uh i basically uh decided like um, i was not happy with everything and so i was like you know what I'm gonna get back into working out. And so my dad always was always been working out, and I was like, hey, can I rejoin like your Y membership and all that stuff? And so it's back when I was, I think, I had just turned 20, and so I uh, rejoined the Y. Um, I then saw an infomercial for a DVD series <laughs> um, that was uh, late night infomercials. Uh, so well, it was in the morning actually, and all of a sudden I was like, oh man. That actually looks look kind of cool. It was for infomercial for Billy's Boot Camp. Billy's Boot Camp, which was Taibo, essentially, with bands and stuff like that. And so so Billy Blanks, who was the creator of Taibo, and actually his daughter is, is actually lives in Tennessee. She actually has uh, a, a studio out in Franklin. If you're out there, you can go check that out. It's called Shell Shop Fitness. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm plugging her gym, not mine, which is weird. <laughs> you're welcome, Shelly. All right. Um, and so they basically still teach Taibo out there. And so basically the creator of Taibo. And so basically I was like kind of Taibo redone. And so I started doing that, along with the Y. And then um, the nutrition labels that were on uh, everything is based on a 2,000-calorie diet. And I basically was just doing macros based on that. Interesting. And so I, at the end of all that, so I was doing Taibo, I was doing, um, uh, I basically was doing like elliptical training because I couldn't run, I couldn't do any of that stuff because I was too heavy, sure. I was too out of shape. So then I was doing that and I eventually lost um, 50 pounds. 
It was impressive. So I got down. Oh, I actually got all the way down over 50 pounds. I got down to 157 was my lightest. Dang, wow. That's super impressive. Yeah, so I was really, really super focused on it. So, yeah, really got it done. It's, it's impressive when you, you kind of dedicate your, your mind to things. Like, all right, this is, this, you know, this is where I'm heading. I'm continuing on this path and really just getting in the habit of fitness and, and eating well. And mm-hmm. it's pretty impressive, too, that, you know, from your background, right? Like, you didn't have any necessarily good influence from a, a fitness and a, a healthy eating standpoint. Same thing in my family, right? It's like healthy eating was eat whatever the heck you want. So I love that you kind of took that upon yourself to say, hey, I'm going to figure this out and make it happen. Yeah, so that's where the curiosity. So then eventually I got down to that weight. And this is what we're talking about, you know, 2005, you know, yeah. like summer 2005. And at that point, or a little bit earlier, I had like uh, started, uh, I, I always really did not like reading growing up in high school. You know what I mean? I wasn't really into you know, like putting, only putting in the amount of work necessary for like school, right? But then all of a sudden, uh, I started reading Men's Health magazine, mm-hmm. right? And because for whatever reason, it was so easy to digest all the information sure. in Men's Health. And I was just like, oh, there's like workout ideas, there's nutrition ideas, all kinds of um, things that were available in terms of information for me to help make better choices and be more informed. And so then um, the first book, first nutrition or diet book I ever bought from that was uh, the TNT diet. Mm-hmm. It was basically, it was a uh, Jeff Bolick, I think, and Adam Campbell. Those are the two guys who, uh, who did that. And they were like low carb guys, I guess, more or less in, in today's spectrum of where they fall. They're on the lower carb side of things. And so um, they had a book sponsored by Men's Health called the TNT diet. It was all about timing carbohydrates for certain time frames of when like if you're trying to build muscle here's when you should eat your carbs and how many you should eat like mm-hmm. and like if you're trying to cut weight here's what you do if you're trying to just maintain here's what you do and it's basically kind of doing all that and kind of timing out all that and then basically that's when i first started digesting and learning about mm-hmm. everything with regards to health and fitness and diet and strength training eventually turned into that because I wasn't doing my strength training at that yeah, point. So more like, okay. cardio, getting getting down in weight. Right. And so I was like, okay, so now we're, we're starting to learn. We're starting to start digest all these all this information. And then eventually turned into, well, this is like 2005, 2006. And then eventually I um, changed from my retail job to a uh, fitness job. Yeah, nice. And then tell me about that. So back in 2007, I got hired by the YMCA and uh, became a trainer for them. Nice. And so I've been uh, training ever since then. So I was uh, living in Evansville at the time, Evansville, Indiana. I know, Amy, don't judge me for mentioning Evansville again. She makes fun of me every time. It's a super small like, city, where, for where sure. Where was that again? Where did you live? I was like, because it's like, well, no one knows where that is. Okay, so I have to mention where it is. So, uh, shout out to so, Evansville. So shout out Evil, right? Oh my. All my, all my boys out in the E right there, you know, who, who I, I love and miss. Um, except I don't miss that town. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're really I doing love, a disservice I, I right missed, now. I miss Donut Bank, but I don't miss <laughs> Evansville, the town. Sorry. Um, but so anyway, I was working for the Y out there. And so then I uh, moved to Nashville and then started working for the Y here. And yep. then from working through the Y here, um, then eventually uh, got hired on into CrossFit um, by uh, a guy, basically a guy I, I knew who was the husband of a woman I have worked for for years. Oh, cool. You know? And so um, became the head coach for CrossFit West Nashville and then a couple years ago became owner. Yeah, that's awesome. How did you get, how did you bridge from like personal training to the CrossFit side? 
Like, how did how did that kind of happen? I honestly think that's actually one of the best things that could have happened, to be honest. Um, or I think maybe it just gives us kind of a unique kind of flavor for what sure. we do here. And the main reason is because I feel like a lot of people who who are in the CrossFit sphere started out in CrossFit and then eventually evolved into so it was CrossFit and eventually became CrossFit L1 right. into affiliation into running a gym and all that stuff. Yeah. Where they never most people who are in this position most in the sphere probably didn't start off as a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer in a different realm and then eventually became into this. And what's funny is that that's exactly what happened with Greg Glassman. I know who yeah. kind of a kind of a, kind of a not, <laughs> not buzzwords. Not, we, we don't talk about him anymore. Um, <laughs> True. Anyway, that's kind of what happened with him is that Greg basically started out as just a personal trainer. Right, exactly. And he was just basically doing private clients and then private clients eventually became this group atmosphere that he yep. created and then eventually became um, CrossFit. CrossFit Santa Cruz and then eventually became the the global phenomenon that is CrossFit, right? And so, right. Um, but to answer the, the, the original question, how do you how to bridge the gap between those two is there's not, there's two things that are, that are I think really hard to, for a lot to, when you're doing personal training you're doing a lot of one-on-one, a lot of maybe two-on-one smaller group stuff. And so you have to figure out what it's like to kind of come up with different programs Mm -hmm. or how to run, from a curriculum standpoint, a bigger group, right? How do I do all this stuff? How do I have quality control for all this? Because when you're working one-on-one with people or even just two-on-one, your yeah. quality control is so high. Absolutely. And so you can basically be like, no, 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 actually, well, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And you can spend all that effort and energy into the one or two people. Whereas in a group setting of like 10 or more, 20 even, right? If you're getting to like a 20 and only one coach, I'm like, maybe there should be a support coach in that situation. But sure, um, you're in that, that point where it's like, now you have to figure out how do I have good quality control while also kind of like, you know, making sure that people are getting the intensity of the workout that is what makes CrossFit so effective as a program. Yeah, no, I think that's cool that, like you said, hey, you, you built this base foundation from, you know, coaching people individually. Hey, if I can learn to coach somebody one-on-one, you know, don't throw 10 people in a room and then try to coach them, right? Like, that's a tough step to say, hey, all right, I'm going to learn CrossFit methodology, and now suddenly I'm going to, you know, have 10 people in the room that I'm attempting to teach to deadlift or power clean or, or whatever along the line. So I think that's really cool that, you, you took that initiative to, or well, I guess you, you really just learned that foundation and then transitioned over to uh, to that side of things. So, um, man, so your coaching is you know, top notch. You've done so much kind of con ed work and really worked to kind of bolster up your education as a whole. So I'd love if you kind of talked about some of the things that you've done to kind of, you know, obviously you just got your, your L3 and then now you're uh, about to do some massage therapy stuff. So, man, your hunger for knowledge is always there at the top. So um, kind of walk through some of that. And maybe that's how that's shaped some of your, your methodology. Well, I think, you know, and this is kind of goes back to some of our earlier conversations where it's like the idea of you have to rec- you have to deal with some of these controversial ideas. And I think it's so important to know it's always I don't think any professional would tell you that. In order for you to grow in a profession, in order to help more people, you also, in tune, also have to grow. And you also have to so you know, educate yourself. You also have to. And one of the things that I, I, I do get a little you know, annoyed with sometimes is that people on the continuing ed side of things, you know, they get a little too, everything has to be super evidence-based. Everything yeah. has to be this. And it's like, sure. you know what? There's a lot of just practical knowledge out there that just comes from best practices. 
And it's okay to use your best practices to actually help generate results for your clients, you know, and that's okay. Um, but in terms of like continuing ed, it's just more about like when we have a person who comes into our gym space, into our clinic or whatever, you have someone who's coming at you with a certain baseline that they're working from and they're coming to you because they want to see something change in a lot of scenarios, right? And so one of the things they like to change is things that are technically their weaknesses, right? It's basically boiling it down to just they got weaknesses in various you know, um, elements within their, their program, whether it's like their diet, whether it's their cardiovascular health, what it is, it doesn't matter, right? So they have certain weaknesses somewhere and you're hopefully there to help that um, person help clean up some of those weaknesses, right? Right. And that's basically what, what CrossFit is in a lot of stuff. We, we say we punish the specialist and then we're trying to make this GPP kind of concept work for everybody where you don't have any weaknesses anywhere, right? And so the same thing when it comes to your education base, if you are struggling within a certain kind of aspect to your profession or job and you're not, not something's not clicking, education is the perfect opportunity to help you close that gap and help make a weakness less of a weakness or possibly into a strength. Absolutely. Right? If you know nothing about weightlifting, then, you know, yeah, you can sit there and you can watch a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> and you can sit there and just do all the lifts yourself. Now, there is a practical aspect to doing everything that we do in here. But within that, like, why don't you actually spend time actually working with good coaches? Why don't you spend time going to some of their seminars? Why don't you spend time maybe going through a certification process to actually get yourself educated on how to do these things, how to coach these things from people who are masters at their sport? Yeah. Right? That makes a lot of sense, right? I think I just use weightlifting as an example, but yeah, it's it a great be, example. Yeah, it could be anything. Gymnastics, whatever. Yeah, whatever doesn't matter. So, yeah. like, why not take the opportunity to enhance your education that way, or read, or etc. Right? And so, I think sometimes what happens is people they get kind of complacent, they get comfortable with what they're doing, and it's like ah, it always works, so I don't have to worry about yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, just show up in auto autopilot every morning. Right. But the thing is that our, our industry is constantly evolving. You know, and part of it is that there's always good ideas out there, especially within rehab, within the strength and conditioning. So it's like, why not take the opportunity to continue to learn? Because that way you can keep adding those layers to your programming, mm -hmm. to your training, and to your uh, therapy. Yep. And that way, nothing is getting too stale either within your training concepts. So like you're introducing these new wrinkles. So like say if, if you were to add 10%, wrinkle every two years you know to your training concepts mm -hmm. you're not replacing the entire program you're not gutting it what you're doing is you're constantly adding these new layers and then basically exiting out some old ideas and entering in some new ideas and that's constantly doing this through time and eventually yeah. keeps refining and improving the program through time yeah which i think is huge you know that constant refinement process so instead of just saying you know what, I'm, we've always done it this way, we're just gonna continue to do it this way. I, I think that's a, a problematic approach, right? The, the, the field's always changing, the methodology's always changing. Hey, your clients are always changing, right? And being able to, to have different tools in the toolbox to, to be able to coach them and, and to be able to, to alter what you need to alter to meet them where they are. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, CrossFit gets a bad rap, especially in, in like rehab world, like PTs I think have a bad, physical therapists have a negative connotation to, CrossFit, it's like, oh, it's just some guy who just got a weekend cert, and now they're having people do snatches all day long, and it's, and it's not the reality, you know what I mean? And, and that's that's also what I appreciate about you is to say, man, like I'm really going to go above and beyond. I'm really going to continue to refine my processes, and, and we're not going to do the same thing that we were doing one year ago that we're doing today, you know what I mean? Which I I think is important. So 
or we'll do like again like 90% of it but then you're adding yeah. like, you know for like various things and it's like well we did this this way I think we, we've now discovered that this is slightly better yeah so let's do that you know yeah and a lot of times honestly we won't tell people right and guess who doesn't know us the client yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah it looks pretty similar but now we know that that loading protocol is better than the one we were using yeah that's it. <laughs> And they don't know the difference. Yeah, they're they're here to the party. They're here to, to get results, and that's basically what they're, they're they're here for. You know. Yeah. They're they're they from them. They just want to show up, and they just want to have a good time. And that's basically that's what our job is is to deliver that. We need to know that. They don't need to know. Right, right, right. Well, and I think some people also like they get scared of CrossFit a little bit. They're like, oh, they're big guys, and they're they're doing crazy barbell lifts. And, and something unique about you guys, I'd love if you talked about this a little bit. You guys have different like levels for each class, right? Like you got some master stuff. I forget what you call all of your other uh, programming. You can talk more about it than I can. But I, I love that you guys have all those options so that, hey, anybody who shows up in this gym is going to get the appropriate training stimulus, whether they're 65, 75, or whether they're 18 and ready to, you know, max out on snatches for the day. You know what I mean? So I'd love if you kind of talked about your different classes and really how you guys kind yeah. of meet any client who walks in this door. Yeah, I think that what's, what's interesting is that, like, you know, I think we, we, we get some credit for it. You know, it, again, it depends on where you you fall on the, the, the purity, you know, there's like always like anything else, you know, cross it's a cult, so we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta pass the purity test, you know, within, within like the cult, right? You know, it's like, you know, you have to achieve certain levels of like, you know, whatever. Are you like really true to the doctrine or not? You know? Do you have a rope t-shirt? Yeah, you're and, not and, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I always think that, you know, like while also still being true to it, what's funny is that like we, these concepts of, of, of scaling, across the client, call it, they call it universal scalability. Yep. That's what they call it. They call it universal scalability concept. The idea is, is that you know, um, you can take any RX workout, like a dot-com workout, and then know how to scale it down for the, the user, right? The difference is between now and then, back in the o, o, OG days, like in 01, when CrossFit.com comes out, you know, most people are starting, that's how they're introduced to it, is that now there is more formal division making mm -hmm. than there was years ago. And what we did was that we were just we just were kind of been ahead of the game on that, and so basically kind of just introduced the idea of fitness divisions for yeah. a long time, you know. And so the idea is that we just have our breakdown of different fitness divisions depending on who's coming in the door. And the idea is that you have a nice linear progression of what to go on based on what is it you're trying to achieve in the gym, you know. And so like if you have if you're starting out, we have what we call our fitness division. Then we have what's called our master's scale division. And so the idea behind master scale is that the loading, the volume, the intensity, all of that is dictated by anyone who is either an older person, but still relatively physically active and healthy, can move pretty well. Um, and now you have specific kinds of weights for them. Whereas in the fitness division, we don't actually require weights. We don't require um, uh, various uh Heights for you know various apparatus. So for example, if it was like a box step up. It would, there'd be no like height requirement for it. You know that we see have these parentheses, you know, around the, the the numbers of like things. These are the standards for this. There's no real standards in the yeah. division other than the movement quality of what we're asking the athlete to do. Right. Sure. Low skill, for example, they're between like a power clean from the floor versus the hang. Right. So we're going to be paying power cleans for this division. So the idea is they're getting introduced to these concepts in these structures of like how we create workouts with couplets and triplets, etc. And then that way they're getting used to the idea of this constant, very high intensity functional fitness, you know, and so they, they kind of get introduced to that. 
And then now we're a little bit more specific with that master scale division. And the idea is that anyone who's gonna come in and be able to do 90% of the workouts is now probably qualified to do and compete in a scale competition. Mm -hmm. So that's a good progression for them. So it's like, hey, in our scale division, like you're doing pull-ups. You know, you're not doing ring rows. Ring yeah. rows is essentially what you're doing in our fitness division, whereas pull-ups is something you're doing in our scale division. Sure. So we have, like, you know, for example, some uh, scale competitions will have, like, ring rows or, like, jump pull-ups sure or whatever. Yep. But our standard for what that is is that, like, hey, you know, we expect you to do pull-ups, but, like, for example, like, a total volume for a pull-up workout is only going to be about 30 reps. And yep. we kind of cap it right around there. And now, then we have what we call our intermediate uh, division after that, and then we'll basically now... That's for those people who are kind of stuck between that scaled and RX kind of division, you know. Mm -hmm. So we would probably say I would probably say the the intermediate is kind of like that low RX kind of athlete who's kind of got a lot of the basic uh, open skills. So basically, anyone who's in that can do essentially ninety percent of the required movements for, say, the CrossFit Open, right? Maybe one of those, like some of those other fringy type skills, like maybe they don't have quite a ring muscle up yet. Maybe they don't have handstand walks just yet, right? And so that's basically what that division's for. They got 90% of it down, they have some work capacity, and so now we're also bumping up the weights, we're bumping up the volume a little bit, right? So we change again the amount of reps and also the amount of intensity to so the weight, right? And the last that we have that sport division, so that sport division's gonna be that more top end RX. Maybe now we have some like these these elite based divisions now, and so that's maybe a low end of that. Yeah. So basically, you can do those, and that's basically what that is. So we're talking like top one percent of the gym, top ten percent of the gym, top sixty percent of the gym, and then after that, it's like the next uh, whatever that is, you know, thirty percent of fitness people. So yeah. I think it's cool that you, you again you've got these ideas for people, right? Because then it helps them try to understand, hey, where do I need to hit a workout? Because I see that in some gyms, right? People show up and they're like, uh, you know, what weight do I need to use? And then they kind of get stuck or they get complacent, right? Maybe they never push the envelope. But if they're in these various divisions, hey, maybe it's going to help them push the envelope. Or if you've seen them in class, you're like, hey, maybe you should go up a division today because it's got this. And so for you guys to have that pre-plan for them is, is huge. I think. I think that I think you hit the nail on the head. It's planning. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't leave it up to, you know, whatever, you know, until it's like the coach had to figure out in the moment, you know. That way we have, again, one of the difficulties I talked about earlier was quality control. Yeah. How do you control quality? You can control quality just by getting on the front end of planning. Right. Knowing exactly how I want to scale this workout for this type of client. And that way they know exactly what they, what they should be doing, right. And it also helps the coach in the moment knowing that, hey, for this type of athlete, I know that I can expect them to execute this specific movement at this specific level because they are there, you know? And that way, when I'm looking at that athlete, I know that when I'm looking from a coaching, cueing, the one thing we do is see, correct, teach, you know, we do all that stuff. And so when we're in here doing all that stuff for the client, then we know how to, what to dial into. So it helps narrow our focus for that specific class or that specific Metcon. So that, that way, the coach is not having to guess. Right. You know, figuring out, okay, what should this person be doing? You know, what should I, you know, it helps us kind of really quality control what we're doing in the space. So it, like people know, like, hey, this is the expectation. This is what you should be doing. And so it doesn't leave much for chance. So people understand that. And then once people develop that competency, then sometimes we kick them out. We say, yeah. hey, we, we, not kick them out of the gym. <laughs> kick them out of that division and say, especially like, you know, if I have, for example, a like 10-minute 
workout. So it's supposed to be like a 10 minute, like say we're doing like a five round per time workout and it's and supposed to be like the general stimulus is about 10, 12 minutes and the yep. person completes it in five minutes and they're doing fitness. I'm like, I think we're ready for the next challenge. Yeah, so yeah. That's all that is, right? And so yeah. it helps us know when that person's ready too. And that's really yeah. good. Yeah, I think it is important, right? Hey, some people need, I mean, that's what they pay you guys to coach them, right? To push them a little bit or to, hey, if we need to scale back appropriately so that we're not worrying about injury and some other things along the line. I love that intentionality and that planning as opposed to just saying, hey, I'm just going to roll with it. Or there's a, that, you also just thought you hit the word, you hit another word there, which is injury, right? Yeah. So say, for example, we have an athlete who comes in, they're dealing with something. We got we got a perfect plan of how to modify for yeah. it. Yeah. It's already built in, you know? So we already know like, hey, this movement selection is not good. So it's like, hey, we have the ability with which to kind of say, hey, we're gonna downregulate this workout and we know exactly where to go from it. You know, whether it's the like it's a box movement, it's a jumping movement, it's a running movement, we know exactly what to do with that, you know, and so we can easily modify the workout for the day for it. Because yeah, which is huge, right? I preach it all the time. Like, dude, just because you're injured doesn't mean you can't work out. It's like, I, you know, I sometimes get injured as well. It's like, hey, you got to continue to move during an injury. And some people will say, well, I can't hit the RX button today, so I'm just not going to go to the gym. And I love that you guys, again, you've got the ability to scale up and down based on how you're feeling for the day or what's going on. Or do you have an injury or do you not? Well, yeah, that's one of the things about, you know, um, I think sometimes is that, like, yes, you know, we want our, our people to be athletes. We treat them like athletes. You know, we yeah. want them to, to think, have this concept that they are an athlete. But one of the other things about that is that they're also normal people. They have a lot of yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, know? as we all and do. So, like, for example, you can go through periods. I think everyone would probably can connect with this. The idea that you go through periods of life where things are going great. Yeah. You know, things are going well. And then all of a sudden you're hitting the gym. You're crushing it. And all those, all those PRs and all that stuff. But then, man... You got deadlines, you know, you got, I mean, your kids are just like, you know, they got all these different activities and, you know, like, oh man, your car broke down. It's like you have all these other things that are going on in your life. And you know what? It's okay to just show up, be able to leave all that stuff outside and not have to put on that additional stress and pressure on yourself. Seriously. Where you can say, you know what? I'm just going to get in here. I'm going to do like master scale. I'm going to do intermediate, even though I usually bump up a division from there. I'm just going to get it done. Yeah. That's you know, okay. You have permission to do that. Which is huge, you know, and I, I talk to any athlete that's in our clinic about that as well. Hey, you know, lack of sleep, uh, not eating well. Hey, they're stressed out to the max from all of life's responsibilities. Like, dude, and then working out can be a stressor to the system as well. And, and too much of that sometimes can, can tip the balance. And, hey, it's important to, hey, if I just need to come in and move one day, it's an, it's an easy option for me. I don't have to sit here and guess and try to figure it out, right? Like you guys are paving that path for them, mm-hmm. which then kind of segues into our, our next topic of, of talking about that contrast week, which I think is super important. I love that you guys are deload week, right? It's it's important to have a deload week. So many There's some CrossFit athletes that I talk to. It's like, man, I've been pushing it six, seven days a week for months on end, and now I'm stuck, and I can't get past PRs. I'm, feeling, you know, I'm injured all the time, and it's like, dude, did you think about – dialing back a little bit at all so i'd love if you talked about y'all's contrast week and what that looks like um so one of the concepts we have in, in our gym is you know we have this idea of contrast week um we used to have just a, a complete deload week and this is this goes uh, before i was hired on to um in, in the uh, as head coach and so basically what happened was we used to just do like a whole a deload week where we just pretty much just like just did mobility all week yeah that's good you know that was like I think a little too much, sure. right? And so that was like, okay. So then it became a concept of like, well, can we do something slightly differently? And then I got introduced to this idea of contrast, you know, training. And so I was like, what is contrast training? And so 
I forget where I got that source material, material from. It's been so long. But the idea behind contrast training, if you're not familiar with it, is that if I'm constantly doing CrossFit all the time, what you do is, is so like for example, if you're doing bilateral movements with like barbells all day, now it's the time for a week, maybe you bust out dumbbells, you bust out kettlebells, and you actually start doing some other things. Yes, you're still moving weight. Yes, you're still doing strength training, but you're doing strength training in a different way. If you're a power lifter, you know, and all you just do is powerlifting heavy, all the heavy, 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 heavy all the time. Instead of going through a D-load week where you just don't do anything and you start eating Cheetos on the couch, <laughs> right? right? Instead of doing that, we do do, do like a bodybuilding routine for a week, yeah, or two, you know, and just kind of go through a couple weeks of that, you know, and just kind of get your body just you know feeling good again, doing different things and stuff like that. Or contrast training could be for someone who's a runner, and all they do is run, 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 and for them to do like some cross training. Yeah, which is huge, right? Right, and so that's that's basically all that means is that you're constantly doing it. So what we do in our gym is that we are introduced, we do a lot of, you know, obviously barbell lifting and you know, high school gymnastics and stuff like that. And so basically what we do is, is that we kind of break things down into basics. So like basic movements, going, doing things like contralateral strength training and helping people understand there's other ways to get their body healthy and strong that we don't always get an opportunity to work on within the confines of our normal classes. Yeah, which is huge. It trains some of this unilateral movement. It, it gives your body a, a, a week of rest, right? It helps, pre it's preventative for injuries, right? I tell people this all the time. It's like, dude, if you need to take some time off, take some time off and be intentional with it. Again, don't sit at home and eat Cheetos on the couch, but it's like, hey, if your front rack is kind of crappy, like I think I came in here and dropped in a couple months back, and I think you guys were doing unilateral front rack carries with a kettlebell. Well, that's a that's a great way. I use it in rehab all the time to help reinforce a, a good upright posture in a, in a front squat. Mm -hmm. And I love that you guys are programming in some of that additional stuff and having a place where people can say, "Hey, I need maybe I need to work on my lat strength," which is I'm sure stuff that you're working on in contrast week to to help them be able to do a pull up or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. It's like we don't need to just lift barbells all the time. Yes, that's great, but there is a time and place for all the things. Well, if you never give people an opportunity to get into a process that allows them to see improvement, you can't, I would, I would argue that it's really difficult to metcon people into improvement. It's because true. the negative, the one, the benefits of high intensity training is that it's so good for a variety of reasons. The reason why we love high intensity training is because there's so much good stuff behind it. You know, especially metabolically, and what yep. it does for your metabolic health, and why it's so good. You know, what's good for your stress levels, really good for your cortisol, really good. Once you got a good balance of it, right? The problem is, is that sometimes people just they all they do is metcons, and then they never like. How do I get better at pull-ups? Well, you know, like, <laughs> just, and this is something we have to pick up. This is one of the things that you know, honestly, one of the things that the gymnastics course always talks about. I mean, shout out to all those guys who always talk about it, and I talk about it endlessly in here. It's that: Are you strong enough? So Can good. you do a strict movement? If you can't do a strict movement, if you can't do a strict push-up, you can't do a strict pull-up, you can't do a strict handstand push-up, right? You can't do things like L sits, right? I, I'm just using uh, gymnastics as, as, as an example, but the idea of having that kind of motor control, having that kind of stability, mobility, right? Mm -hmm. All packaged into one thing. And the problem is that people, what they do is they like to flail around and do things fast for <laughs> time, right? Which is why a lot of people within the therapy community don't like CrossFit. It's true. And because they think we're just smashing people. 
And the, the problem is, is that, yeah, sometimes what happens is that there's just a, a, a missing element within an equation of like, hey, is there, you know, is there enough teaching going on, enough progressive, you know, um, loading and then strength development for those athletes? If you never give them an, an opportunity to do that, then they, then they really can't expect to get stronger. That's really on you, the coach, you, the programmer, you, the, the owner, someone who's helping build that process for them. Then, because basically they're going to do and show up and do whatever that you tell them to do. Oh, absolutely. And if you don't have an effective process of how to do it in your space, what they're going to do is they're going to seek it out other places. Right. And then they become a customer of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right? And that's not what we really want them to happen, right? We want them to have all the resources that they need. And part of that is just perspective and just giving them an opportunity to work on that stuff. Whether it's just, again, you know, whether it's more that unilateral training, more it's, and again, I love contralateral training because I think that nothing this world does more health benefits than anything else than just doing contralateral training. Yeah, absolutely. So much good stuff you talked about there. I mean, one of the biggest is like, man, if, if you're never giving someone an opportunity to develop their, their strict pull-up strength, hey, you only stay at ring rows and we never do any accessory work in order to allow somebody to do a pull-up, man, they're going to be stuck using that band to do pull-ups forever. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and then they're going to become frustrated and they're just stagnant and then they're just kind of going through the motions, right? And again, a, a Metcon's a great place for... And like you said, cardiovascular health, all this other metabolic, right, metabolic conditioning, metabolic health benefits that can happen from getting your heart rate up that high and being able to control it for prolonged periods of time. But it's not the place to learn how to do muscle-ups. It's not the place to learn how to do heavy uh, overhead pressing or overhead squats. It's like that's not the, the time to do it. And, again, I think that's why people have such a bad rap of, uh, or, or especially rehab world, and everyone says, I don't want to do CrossFit because they just push the envelope all the dang time. And right. that's not the case. No, that's also not the case. And also one of the things that's interesting about, like, you know, for example, Metcon could mean anything, right? One of the things that actually uh, I, I like to try to communicate to other people within our space is that strict movement is something that's really well programmed within the dot-com space. Yeah. They've been doing that for years. Yep. And so what I find is that a lot of affiliates and a lot, and I've gone and I've traveled to a lot of affiliates throughout the years, you know, from traveling to this place, visiting this place. And the, the one of the things I see is that no one really programs a lot of like strength kind of workouts with yeah. stricter movements in them for what they'll do is that they'll do it to capacity instead of using it as an opportunity to build capacity. It's a good point. So let's say for example, like let's just take a, a you know, what, what, they, what they just do at the games this weekend. Um, I think they did some deficit Diane, yep. right? With strict handstand pushups, right? Brutal workout. Brutal heavy, workout. Heavy right? deadlift too. And then I see affiliates, they go out and they, they it's like, oh, guess what our Monday workout's gonna be? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're we're taking a games level challenge workout, and we're gonna figure out how to how to how to scale it down, you know, for our general populace. And it's like, well, you know, that's great, you know, to throw in there every once in a while. But really, what we should be doing is like, okay, we want, we we have something like a uh, like a strict handstand pushup. That's something we want to work on with people. Well, where's like a good kind of like amount of reps, so a good amount of volume. So total volume, and then like in a given instance, like how many reps do we want them to do at any one stance, right? And what can it keep them moving through an entire sequence? So this is going back, and obviously this information is relatively fresh in my head because it was uh, 
um, something that is really well talked about within a lot of the uh, classic texts within you know CrossFit, whether it's L1, L2, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's basically the idea of from the programming perspective is that one of the reasons why they, they use a time domain as opposed to a task domain. So time domain, uh, if you're not familiar with that is, is that so it's workouts that are done uh, not for time, but you have a certain amount of time that you're going to be working, whether it's 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. And so the idea is, is that you're taking those workouts and the primary, one of the primary focuses okay, behind <laughs> those workouts are uh, those skills, that like for example, like an L pull-up. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna program it into there, knowing that we're gonna do it for lower volume. Yep. And we're going to keep people cycling through this. Oh, that's a good point. The idea yeah. is we want to keep people cycling through the workout, and we don't want them to be roadblocks. Yeah. So, like, if I put up a workout, it's like, yeah, we're going to do a, a, a ten minute AMRAP, and then I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to have fifteen strict handstand pushups in it. Yeah, people, you know, good maybe, luck. May, maybe if you're a pretty good athlete, you got fifteen strict, maybe one time. Yeah. Then right. Sudden, then all of a sudden, it just turns into I'm flipping up, I'm shaking out my arms every two reps. I think you missed the boat on that, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, was there a different way we can view that process? And it's like, you know what? If I want to keep an athlete moving through this workout, yes, I have a higher intensity or highest skilled event, but I'm going to only do it for like three or four reps, right? And I'm going to give them just that amount, and that way they can keep flowing on from one thing to the next without that kind of quality loss. Mm -hmm. So now what we're doing is that we're building quality of movement. And we're building volume at the same time because the more they can keep cycling through it, the more volume they're going to keep accumulating. And guess what yes. the other thing you're going to build in that scenario? It's the big C. It's called confidence. Yeah. <laughs> you're building confidence in your clients, right? Yeah. And so one of the things we have to always look at is how do we create client success, right? And so one of the things that's going to keep people motivated within their gym and keep them kind of keep coming and kind of keep getting excited is the fact that they can see this progress and change happening. And part of that from the planning start side of it is that, hey, how do I do that? You know, from like, how do I create victories for people, you know? And then, so basically taking like something like the strict handstand push-up is that, again, do you have the nice linear progression chain from like the box, maybe to um, a surplus grip to like, you know, full standard, et cetera. Do you have that progression chain as well? And just creating those opportunities for those people to get better. And even though it's technically in a Metcon setting, it's still, again, you're creating an opportunity for them to work on those skills and reinforce them and then also to build that confidence. Yeah, I don't see a lot of that at all. I, I love that, that idea of, hey, we can still program much of the same, same way, but hey, maybe I'm going to program, like you say, strict handstand push-ups and it's going to be a super low weight, so they're going to keep cycling through and keep getting the volume. I, I, that's a it's a brilliant idea. I think it's super smart, and it's just something I don't see, right? It's, it's like, hey, I'm going to – most of the Metcons I see gyms are, are programming to – punish you metabolically which is great if that's what you're trying to work but you can't only work that forever well one of the, there's there's a couple a couple key concepts i think that you know again i'm you know i i just work in my my section of the universe and so this is just again one of the beauties of taking something like crossfit is that you it's like it's a ball and you get to play with it you know and you can yeah. kind of really kind of take some of the concepts and let's let's and you get to work with it and kind of put your flavor on it as it were right one of the things that you know talk about we used to have the, the thousand dollar t-shirt club so back when you got your l1 you used to be able to, they used to we'd give you a t-shirt you know as part of that thousand dollar t-shirt yeah right but yeah and so basically it just says what you know the definition of what crossfit is yeah. which is constantly varied functional fitness and high intensity right but there's that variance 
perspective, right? So yeah. what does variance mean? So intensity is relative, right? So intensity can be created metabolically. It could also be created from the loading scheme that mm. you're introducing so to the good. client or the skill base they're introducing to the client, right? And so, for example, like a, a higher skill event, you know, like a, like a strict ring muscle up, that's a, from an intensity standpoint, it requires a lot of energy expenditure to be able to execute that, right? Yeah. And so like, yeah, so that's a creating intensity, but it's also one of the things where, when we introduce like concepts where we're introducing intensity from a skill perspective is that now we're also creating variance, right? So there's that B again. So we're really creating that variability. So for example, on a certain day, like, oh man, I just like, we just did a really hard metabolic workout on like, you know, on Monday, you know, or Tuesday or whatever, or we did a benchmark or whatever and the intensity was super high. Well, I know people are coming back in, they're gonna be a little smashed, right? So what is a great opportunity to follow that up with, with something that's gonna be a little bit less on the smashing side of things <laughs> from a metabolic standpoint. And then what we do is that we have skill reinforcement where the intensity is gonna drop metabolically, but it's gonna increase in other ways. Yeah. And so we give them opportunities to kind of mix in those different kinds of intensity schemes. So they're getting challenged and we're creating variance within our programming. So they're, they're, they're not so getting active recovery, but what they're getting is they're getting that intensity change. So it's attacking their body in different ways. Absolutely. So they're not constantly adapting, which is the whole purity within CrossFit is that we're not trying to allow for this consistent adaptation by just doing the same things over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think uh, you know a lot of gyms don't look at programming from that standpoint? It's like, hey, I'm just going to punish folks metabolically. Why do you think that? You know, I, I think you have such an outside, a different approach, right? And I love it. Um, and you know, obviously true to the CrossFit method, always varying things. Why don't you think some other CrossFit gyms program some of the accessory work and really look at it from what you what you're kind of saying there? You know, I I, I think there's a couple of things at play. And again, this is this is not. This, I, I don't think this is, uh, I don't, if, you're, if you're doing you know, X, Y, or Z and you're generating great results for your client, there's absolutely no reason right. why you should sure. essentially stop that. Absolutely. Well, well, the question is why would, you, why would you want to review what you're doing, right? If injury rates are high, if burnout rates are high, if lots of people, if you have like a high churn rate with your membership, right? Yeah. Constantly, like you can only keep people for a certain length of time before you're like having to lose them again and all that stuff. And so like, if you're seeing that kind of stuff, then you know maybe you can look at either, obviously you can look at your business practices, part of that, right? You can look at your coaching professionalism side of that, but you can also look at your programming side of that, right? So that could be a part of that. So as to why you know there's this constant punishing you know, kind of concept, we wanna, we wanna always kind of be in the suck, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Always wanna be constantly in the suck, right? <laughs> Into the pancake. Right, right, so the thing is that the suck is relative, so I think we, we, if, you're, if you don't have a concept of that, so I think number one is experience. Yep. So sometimes you just, people just don't have enough experience it from a programming standpoint of knowing how to create that variance in other ways, right? So that's part of it. So it could be you have young trainers out there, you could have people who are just new to programming, et cetera. And they don't really have a good concept of what they're trying to do outside of blah, blah, blah. So there's that piece. You also have the influence of competitive-based programming. Competitive-based programming is great for people looking to get into the sport space. The reason why we call our top division sport is because that's what it is. It's basically our target towards that sport athlete, people who are more interested in the competitive side of CrossFit, right? 
or functional fitness. You know, because now the uh, we have F three now. Yeah. The functional fit, the functional fitness federation. Right. Yeah, I think it's true. all. That's right. I think it's uh, OPEX and James Fitzgerald and all those guys. You know, and now they have IF three and all that stuff. And they're trying to make it more of a. Yeah, a just thing. functional fitness. Is right. So so whatever functional fitness crossover. Whatever. Okay. So you got the competitive side of functional fitness, and so that's a huge component to that. And so they feel like that you know uh, one of the things that they have to do in order to get better within competitive CrossFit is to get smashed. Mm-hmm. And there's that, right? A lot of things are like, you know, it's it's this, you know, um, I think it comes from classic kind of old school kind of perspective of CrossFit, maybe from some other coaches that if you're not consistently trying to push your limits, then you're not really getting the full benefit of the program, right? And so, and I would argue that Yes, there is there is that right. For example, I think the the best one of the best examples is I got um, two people who do Fran, right? I got one guy. They both have the same exact times. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, it's like three and a half minutes. They both did Fran. I got one That's guy. Good. Yeah, one guy who who did Fran, and the guy is on the floor and he's just like absolutely dying, just dying <laughs> on the floor. He's in pain. He's like, oh my God, that was the worst thing ever. And he's crying and all that stuff, right? And it's not, you know, not very manly in the moment, right? Right? It's okay. It's all right. Friend can we, do that to people. You know what? We've all been there. Yeah. It's fine. You know? <laughs> lots of tears, lots of, you know, uh, lots of pain. But then I got someone who did the exact same time. And there's, you know, going around talking, you know, to their friends. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to do some more work and all that stuff. It's like, well, actually... You got you basically just did a two, three thirty frame, which is a respectable time. Very, yeah. But now you're just sitting around talking to everyone, which means that you missed a huge component to that whole entire factor, which was the intensity factor, right? Right. And so it's like, dude, there's a whole another gear in there. Yeah. That should have that should have been gotten. You know, that's the whole reason why we have bench workouts is those are the opportunities to really kind of go out and try to test yourself, right? Yep. Where other days, you know, if you want to be a little more casual, sure. you know, you can totally do that, right? But here's an opportunity, right? So you got that. You know, it's like there are times where you want to be able to push yourself into those spaces, right? And that's kind of where that some of that, you know, like gotta gut it out all the time. But that's some of that is that intensity factor built in that. It's like we've got to consistently punish ourselves to that limit to the point of rhabdo and vomit and all that stuff, right? <laughs> so basically, back in the day, there's like Uncle Pukey and you know, or okay, is it Uncle Pukey and, and someone rhabdo? I forget what that is. So it like, sounds terrible. So basically, you know, CrossFit used to that. You know, again, CrossFit is a various various contrarian brand, very anti counterculture kind of brand for a very very long time, which is now interesting because again, they're very much a mainstream brand at this point. But back in the day, there used to be a very you know fringy counterculture. Um, brand and so they used to have like all these cartoon characters you know when, <laughs> when people would give them crap about you know some of the things and so um and so if you ever seen some old school cartoons from crossfit they are probably not the most politically correct uh <laughs> cartoons out there but the the idea is that we had these um uh, caricatures of like things that well, we're going to push ourselves to the limit we don't care you know and that, that some of that was facilitated from greg glassman in various articles in new york times and all that stuff like you know what you could die doing this, right? Yeah, right. It's like, that was like, part of that was salesmanship, I think. Yes, you know? that's I mean, true. So that's true. Again, you know, we're trying to like make this kind of like, we do this to that. So there's that, right? So there's that kind of old school mentality sure. behind that, right? Sure. Um, and then, so there's that. And then I just think that the other part of that, the last part of that, is that people or coaches or programmers think that, that 
clients will associate mm. the efficacy of your program based on how they feel. Yeah. So if they're not smashed, they feel like they're missing out. It's a good point. Right? And so they're like, well, if I don't have my client come in the next day and they'll feel like they were smashed, then they're going to like be like, well, what am I paying you this money for? It's a great point. And so if I don't feel like I'm like working the hardest that I possibly could. And so, yeah, it's true. Right? So like, again, if you're a little too soft on your intensity side of things, sure. then yeah, you might be missing out on both. But then I think what happens is that we we overcorrect that yeah. to the other end of the spectrum. Right? As I said, it takes a it takes a really it takes smart coaches to figure out how to challenge people without smashing them. Yeah, that's that's the delicacy, right? To be able to find that fine threshold of like, hey, I'm not underdosing this, but I'm I'm not just demolishing people to the point where injury and just we're just destroying people's system. Again, it's a it's a delicate balance. Well, like if your concept of fitness is doing AVA every week, you know what I mean. So if you're not familiar with what AVA is, AVA is a benchmark workout that's five rounds of time of an 800 meter run, 30 kettlebell swings at I believe it's uh, 70 to 53 uh, male female, and then it's uh, 30 pull ups, right? So it's yeah. 150 pull ups, 150 swings, and then essentially two and a half miles of running. You know, brutal. Yeah, right. If that's your concept of fitness, you know what I mean. It's like okay, yeah, that's a workout that's a pure smash, right? Yeah. So it, it takes an even a really good athlete a long time to finish that workout right yeah i'm pretty sure we can't even really program that in our confines of most of our classes i think no. if we're lucky we could probably spend you know like five to 15 minutes of prep time for that and it's allow, still for, allow for like a 45 minute time cap <laughs> and the it's majority be a lot of time people caps. will not finish yeah. ava in 45 minutes you know what i mean so oh. it's like that's what it's, it's that's the, 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 the dynamic that you're always working with and trying to figure out where's that balance, where's that as I said, it doesn't take a really any 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 person can smash you. Any person so can, can write a workout that's just gonna crush you. So right? true. It doesn't take you know, take take a genius. You're like, oh we're gonna do fifty kettlebell swings, we're gonna do fifty box jumps, we're gonna do fifty wall balls, and then we're gonna do fifty pull ups. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And we'll do three rounds of that at the time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're destroyed today. Yeah, exactly. And then what, they, what happens when your client can't move the next day, you're like, well, okay, well, there you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Man, Rob, we could sit and talk about programming all day long. I, I love that you're, your heart for knowledge and really to kind of shake CrossFit up and really kind of, you know, hey, trying to find that delicate balance. I, I love that we were able to have this conversation and, uh, man, it's so much fun. How do we find out more about CrossFit West Nashville and if we want to get in contact with you guys? Um, you can also check us out on our social media. You know, we also we're on Facebook. You can check us out at CrossFit West Nashville on Instagram as well. Um, if you uh, want to check out our website, CrossFitWestNashville.com, you know, and that's it. That's awesome, man. That's, that's where we're at. Yeah, Rob, I appreciate your time, man, and uh, this was uh, this was awesome. So appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Don't forget, educate yourself, surround yourself with positivity, and take care of your body. It's the only one you get. Education is the key to a stronger and healthier you, one person and one community at a time. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and leave us comments. If you want to find out more about us and how to maximize your health and performance, check out our clinic on Instagram at Momentum underscore Sports PT or at MomentumSportsPT.com.